Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us today alongside Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jason. I I hope you are. From my perspective, uh, this is a time uh, for reflection for all of us, for the whole country, for so many reasons. But as folks who actually listen to my show from time to time know, um, I like to start off with uh, things that are on my mind. And the fact is that um, uh, what's been on my mind for the last uh, week and a half uh, has been uh, what is now called a very violent insurrection that occurred a- at the Capitol. But one thing uh, that is helpful at this point is the fact that we've had enough time and there's been enough investigation. Not enough, compl- I mean, in a lot of ways, but at least we know now much better what exactly took place and how it took place and how it was organized. And, you know, initially the news media had no clue what to call it. You know, was it a riot? Was it a uh, a mob? What, you know, who was responsible? Protest. Yeah, was it a protest? Exactly. And now it is, a, it is extraordinarily clear since so many more videos and pictures took place and a lot of the intelligence came out that it clearly was, in fact, a violent insurrection where people lost their lives. And it was clearly the intent of uh, the, the insurrectionists to try to get to uh, Mike Pence, a Republican vice president, and Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Speaker of the House. Uh, And and we just have to assume that if they were going to take him hostage, that, um, you know, there was a chance to kill Mike Spence, uh, um, uh, excuse me, the vice president, uh, Mike Pence. Um, And that's pretty scary stuff. Uh, But, you know, one thing that it clearly, um, that made clear to me, was that um, the president, Donald Trump, is a very charismatic leader, and that people uh, will blindly follow a charismatic leader. Facts, no facts, doesn't matter uh, that so many people ignore uh, you know, the news, ignore the facts, ignore everything, and simply blindly follow someone who is charismatic. And um, and in fact, they'll follow them right off a cliff. <laughs> and, and that's uh, no question that the president uh, incited this insurrection. I mean, in the fact is, and and I just saw uh, just a day or two ago uh, the fact that 25 percent of Republicans still believe that Biden, uh, our newly elected president, did not actually win. Why do they believe this? Because that's what the president has been talking about since uh, the election, that he didn't actually lose the election. And there are people that still believe. Now, from my perspective, uh, for those people who uh, voted for Trump and support 
Trump even today, you have the right to be disappointed. That's part of, you know, how our country has always worked. But that, you know, there's a difference in terms of free speech and violent insurrection. I mean, for instance, you can't go to a movie theater and yell fire if there's not a fire. That's not First Amendment protected speech. And when you incite a, you know, not just a riot, but an insurrection that's been organized for several weeks, if you will, that's not protected speech either. Um, but the fact is, is for the folks who don't believe that um, Biden won the election, all you have to do is to go to facts that are verifiable. Number one, Trump's own intelligence chief, a Republican, reported after the election that this was the most secure election in American history. The most secure. And then guess what? Uh, not only that, but in all of these lawsuits that were brought up by President Trump and his lawyer supporters, guess what? Not one lawsuit brought any verifiable facts before the court. And Republican judges dismissed every lawsuit. Republican election officials, you know, people who supported and voted for President Trump, reported to us to a person to a state every state that there was no election fraud. There was nothing that could be brought before the courts. And these are Republicans, people who supported the president, who voted for the president, who wanted the president to be. Uh, elected, but there was nothing there. And so how could 25% of the Republicans still believe with all of verifiable true facts there? I mean, that to me astonishes me that a charismatic leader could control people in that uh, way. I mean, even another Republican um, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger of California, which all of us know as the Terminator, <laughs> you know, uh, he uh, even said that it reminded him of uh, Adolf Hitler and the Nazis and how a charismatic leader basically took the German people off the cliff, if you will. Uh, and he said it very dramatically. And, you know, from as a student of history, I don't disagree. I think there's a lot of similarities of how a charismatic leader can uh, fool uh, people uh, in that way. But the fact is that for those folks who don't care what the election outcome is, it, it tells me that there are people in this country, and in fact, there were people in this country that supported Adolf, Adolf, Adolf Hitler back before World War II, before this country came together with the greatest generation to defeat that. But there are people who would prefer this country to be a dictatorship, and, and that's what the American Revolution was all about, was to, to sever our ties from a dictator called a king, the king of England. Uh, and, you know, the reason is that 
when you have a king or a dictator, the rules are actually at the whim of the dictator or the king. It's not based on the rule of law, which our country, the United States of America, was founded upon the basic principle of a rule of law that would govern, not a dictator. And and that, I think, is so important for us uh, to remember as Americans. Uh, now, there one of the greatest disappointments to me as an attorney was the fact that how many lawsuits were brought uh, by Trump or his supporters around the country, over 20 lawsuits, with no evidence whatsoever to base their lawsuit on. Now, to me, that, as an attorney with ethical responsibilities, truly bothers me in a significant way. To me, that's unethical. You know, if you have facts that you can present, great, present them. But in every case that was brought, there were no facts that could be brought to support their claim. And to me, that is absolutely wrong. I I fully believe that every lawyer who brought a lawsuit with no facts to support their claim should be disbarred. It totally and, and easily identifiable that it was an unethical conduct. Now, you might ask me why, you know, how could I, I believe that? But the, the fact is, in this country, a, a person can bring a lawsuit for anything. I mean, you don't have, I mean, you can, you can file a lawsuit, and there are lawyers out there who will actually do it if you can afford to pay them. And of course, there was plenty of, of campaign money to pay these lawyers to bring the lawsuit. And unfortunately, there are lawyers who will take cases unethically just for the payday. And, you know, I'm sure that these folks were not only out for the money, but they also were advocates in a political way as well. I mean, that's the only way you can even think that somebody would do what they've done. But, you know, back in the dark ages, when I started practicing law, you know, there's always been lawyer jokes. Everybody knows that. (laughs) I don't even mind them. But one of the the things that has always been said, even back when I started, when there weren't that many lawyers, that there are too many damn lawyers. (laughs) So, you know, you didn't hear that about doctors or dentists or accountants, but there's always been too many lawyers. But the fact is, there's never enough good lawyers. (laughs) That's what it's all about. And and the from an asset protection perspective, this is a very important point for people to understand: is that people can bring a lawsuit against you even when you've done nothing wrong, and there's no uh, there's no basis for the lawsuit. But lawyers can be creative, and they can bring a lawsuit and litigate it against you, and and even if you win the lawsuit, which is the case frequently, you still end up losing a lot of money because of attorney fees. I mean, somebody can bring a frivolous lawsuit against you, and your attorney fees can easily be $100,000. Well, that's a pretty significant thing. And I, 
I truly wish, you know, the courts were totally open. And we have a rule called Rule 11 that allows, you know, if there is a case like that, you can uh, ask a judge for permission to, in essence, to uh, have the other side pay your lawyer fees. But that's rarely used by the courts. And so, uh, in essence, um, uh, it's one of those areas where – it's, uh, you know, if the other side has any basis, even if it's minor um, and they lose, your ability to get your attorney fees in litigation is very, very rare. And I, frankly, I wish there were stronger rules established for that very purpose. Maybe our legislature will help us with that. So there's less litigation uh, unless there's strong evidence or at least reasonable amount of evidence uh, in a case. But, you know, there's an opposite side of this that's really important, too, because our judicial system is not perfect. I mean, if you have money, our judicial system will work for you. If you don't have a lot of money or if you just what I call a middle class folk, Um, our judicial system doesn't necessarily work for you. And I'm talking about civil litigation because, frankly, if you have a a legitimate claim, let's say you did something wrong, uh, Jason, to me, and and the damages to me were, say, $10,000 to $20,000. Frankly, uh, you know, if for me to go out and hire a lawyer to sue you would typically cost ten to twenty thousand dollars or more, and then you're throwing good money after bad, uh, and and so it it makes where the judicial system now we have what's called a small claim, uh, where you don't have to have a lawyer, but that it doesn't work an awful lot of times for a lot of folks, and so. The, the whole point is is that the, there's uh, even though we have the best judicial legal system in the world, by far, it's not perfect. I mean, the same thing is true in the criminal side, too, because those folks who are charged with crimes who have money will will often have a much better defense offered in their on their behalf. Uh, than others who are less fortunate and don't have any money to pay a lawyer or don't have enough money to pay a lawyer uh, because it takes a lot of time to defend, and that costs a bunch of money. And so obviously those with money have an e- easier time getting through the the uh, judicial system. So the point is is that we don't have a perfect country, but we have the best country in the world. No question about it. And is our rule of law fragile? Well, we've seen last week that uh, there can be attempts to change our way of life. And fortunately, our institutions are strong enough to overcome uh, one man and one charismatic leader. And it's important for us to appreciate what happened and it's important for us um, to find a way to come together to improve our country. And so it's a time for reconciliation. Uh, you know, there's a lot of angst on a lot of people's parts. Uh, clearly, the, res- the law enforcement response was clearly inadequate to, you know, to this insurrection. 
Uh, there are a lot of people who are responsible who should lose their jobs over it. But at the same time, for us as citizens, it's a time for reflection and reconciliation. And the hope, I mean, we, we still have a war on pandemic without all this other stuff that we have to get through as a community. And so I'm very hopeful at this point that uh, we can come together uh, and respect each other uh, in a way that's very positive and keep each other safe. That's a great way to put it, Bill. I know that has been weighing heavily on your mind over uh, the last week and a half, so I'm glad that you were able to uh, put that so well. Well, we are going to get into some asset protection topics as well as uh, we're going to talk about taxes as well. We hope that you will stick around. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also register and find information about Bill's monthly seminars dealing with long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning. Just go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. You can also call Bill's office at 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. We need to take a quick break, but we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we've got some asset protection issues that we need to hop into. Well, absolutely. And and um, it relates to what I was just talking about. In fact, to the degree there are too many lawyers or not enough good lawyers, I should say. Um, now, and of course, as you know, we just finished uh, our monthly seminar on asset protection because, as you know, every every month, uh, second Wednesday of each month, I uh, do a webinar. Boy, would I love, love to get back to a seminar again where I can see people face-to-face. But we do Zoom webinars uh, the second Wednesday of each month, and I do one on long-term care and one on asset protection. Well, with asset protection, um, one of the things that I talk about that's so important is the foundation of asset protection, which always needs to be a really good liability insurance policy, particularly one that covers you in your motor vehicles and another one that covers your home or any business property. Uh, and there's some other types of insurance that are very important to have, but that's not that that's not a legal document. That's you know insurance is all it is. Property and casualty and liability insurance are things that are very important to us to protect uh, ourselves from the most likely sources of liability. And the biggest one, of course, well, they're two biggies actually, but the biggest one uh, for a lot of folks is driving your motor vehicle. That's a biggie. Of course, the other one is divorce, you know, taking care of your marriage. Those kind of things can be real important, too. But um, uh, the, the, one of the things that, uh, you know, I just mentioned is the fact that what about all these lawsuits? Well, you know, people can sue you for anything. And, and quite frankly, when there is a claim, most lawyers will sue anybody that has touched 
the the claim. In other words, people who have no responsibility whatsoever towards the claim, but at some point there was a conversation or that maybe they did something a couple years prior to the claim or that have no relation. But the lawyers try to sue anybody and everybody um, who ever touched the possibility. Why? Because they're looking for pockets of insurance. And, and they really don't care whether, at least in my experience, they don't care whether you really are at fault or not. They're just looking for your insurance. And so you can be sued when you have no culpability at all. Because, but they don't know if you have insurance until they name you as a defendant in a lawsuit. So, But I, I wish, I wish there was an insurance policy out there that you could actually buy that would cover your attorney fees, you know, with a deductible, in the event that you are sued. Now, there are types of insurance like that. For instance, malpractice insurance for professionals covers you if you're, uh, you know, if you make a mistake in your professional practice, whether you're a lawyer, accountant, uh, architect. You know, you name them. You know, uh, that's where malpractice comes in. Uh, you know, doctor, dentist. You know, all of the above. But, um, uh, you know, you can be sued for a lot of other things where there is absolutely uh, no coverage uh, of your um, attorney fees. Now, if you're sued for an automobile claim, your liability coverage does cover your attorney fees, but they are actually there to protect the insurance company's uh, money. They're not really, they say they're there to protect you, but but there, there's somewhat of a conflict between protecting the insurance company and protecting you personally. In other words, let's say that there's a million dollar claim against you and you have a $500,000 policy. Well, the insurance company can say, here's a check for $500,000 and then you're on your own. They're, they're, the lawyers uh, don't represent you past that <laughs> unless you get real lucky, but that's not likely. So you just there's, – there's a lot of risk out there just because of lawyer fees, and that's really, really unfortunate. I wish some entrepreneurial uh, uh, person would uh, create a policy to cover attorney fees uh, – uh, under these circumstances where your attorney would not be uh, paid for otherwise. That, that would be a pretty good policy. And if you could get one that was reasonably priced, that would be even better. But the fact is that liability um, insurance is huge, and it's a big part of what you have. And then once you have the liability insurance coverage, then you can add – legal techniques to help you. And so in my seminars, uh, which I would recommend if you haven't been to one, uh, sign up for next month because uh, we cover a lot of things. You certainly do, Bill, and your seminars are just jam-packed with information, and they are a wonderful way to learn more about both asset protection and long-term care assistance. You can register and attend either of these seminars by going to wgalaw.com. Dot com and clicking on the seminars button. It's free to register, free to attend. WGALaw.com is the website. Just click on that seminars button or you can call the office as well. 919-256-7000. 919 
7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online anytime at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're talking about asset protection. And before the break, Bill, you are discussing the foundation of asset protection, which is liability insurance. But that's not all we need when it comes to making sure we have a comprehensive asset protection plan. Okay, I've talked about the liability. What's next? Well, what's next is creating the right kind of legal documents. And for a lot of families, that would include creating limited liability companies uh, like corporations. If you put your assets into these this type of entity, then you are reducing the exposure that you and your family might have from creditors reaching beyond your corporate or LLC entity to claim your personal assets. And that's really important, too. My favorite, actually, among entities is a limited liability company. And one of the there are two huge advantages for limited liability companies over corporations. And that is limited liability in North Carolina and in a number of other states have an exclusive remedy for creditors suing you, and that's called a charging order. And and there's reasons why a lot of creditors don't like charging orders, and I can explain why that's true in in the seminar. Um, the, The other reason I like limited liability companies is because you can create one and then Um, choose what taxing um, entity you want. In other words, you can be a limited liability company taxed as a partnership uh, or proprietor if you're a single member uh, in the LLC, or you can be taxed as a regular corporation, what we call a C-Corp, or you can be taxed as an S-Corp, Uh, which a lot of small businesses actually like being taxed as an S-corp. So if you're a small business person and you want to create an entity, uh, at least in my opinion, more often than not, your best entity, particularly if there's more than one member, um, in other words, you and your wife or you and a partner or, you know, that sort of thing, uh, then an LLC is your best choice, uh, and oftentimes an LLC taxed as an S-corp is a very good way for a lot of folks to start out in business. Uh, now, why not single members? Well, single members, um, uh, they're uh, particularly in federal court, like a bankruptcy, uh, a single member LLC Uh, could be pierced, and it has been in other states. I have not seen a case in North Carolina where it's pierced. So, you know, we're in good shape. But uh, bankruptcy, federal judges have extraordinary powers. And they, you know, that kind of case, a federal judge would, even based, you know, with state law saying um, uh, there's limited uh, liability, a state uh, but federal judge may very well pierce 
the entity if it's a single member. Never seen a multi-member LLC pierced anywhere in the country. And that's important for folks to know. Uh, and it doesn't matter if one, like if you're, if it's with your spouse, that's okay. And one can own 99% and the other 1%. But if there's two members, then that, that's a, or more, that's a multi-member LLC. And that's about as safe as it can get in terms of not being able to pierce it and then uh, go through um, to your personal assets. And, of course, uh, the, the other reason LLCs work is you don't have nearly as many legal requirements to keep your LLC in the green, if you will. You know, with corporations, you have to have uh, shareholder me- meetings. You have to have uh, board of directors meetings. You have to uh, have corporate minutes. You have to maintain your corporate book. And, and that is the uh, one place where a, a shrewd lawyer can pierce your corporation if you don't keep your corporate book up. Uh, not true of an LLC, even if you're taxed as an S-corp as an LLC. So that's those are important things, too. Now, we know there's a change in administration. And since the uh, Georgia elections, we also know that the Democrats will now control the U.S. Senate. So I have, I have watched very closely, as have lots of my clients, have watched uh, to see what occurred in Georgia as to what to do about potential taxes coming up over the next four years. So when we come back, Jason, I want to talk about taxes um, and, and what's up ahead for us. I think everyone has uh, has perked up a little bit after hearing that, Bill. Uh, I want to remind everyone that, as Bill said, you can re- attend his seminars. They are free to register, to free to attend, and these are jam-packed with information on the topics of long-term care assistance that has to deal with uh, middle-class families being able to get access to assistance through Medicaid and also VA benefits. And Bill also has another seminar dealing with uh, many of the topics that we've talked about in this segment, dealing with asset protection and trust planning. All you have to do is go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. The next day for seminars coming up is Wednesday, February 10th. You can register for that date for free right now at WGALaw.com. Just click on that seminars button. It's very easy to do. If you prefer to call the office, you can do so by calling 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Hey, I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, just before the break, you uh, you teased us a little bit with the idea that uh, some tax changes could be up ahead for us. Well, there's no question about it. Um, the uh, uh, Why? Well, uh, the Georgia elections, two Democratic uh, candidates were elected to the United States Senate. And what that did was it created a tie in the U.S. Senate. Very rare, but now we have 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans representing the various states across the country. 
So with that said, since it's 50-50, the tiebreaker is the vice president of the United States. And so in essence, because the vice president, Kamala Harris, is a Democrat, the Democrats actually now control the chamber. Uh, So to the degree that the Democrats are unified on certain issues, then the Democrats control the U.S. House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate, by the tiebreaker vote, and then the President of the United States. So uh, there is the potential for more aggressive agendas to get through. Um, But the question is, will anything happen this year, 2021, uh, because of the change. Uh, most of us uh, felt pretty strongly that if the Republicans uh, retained control of the U.S. Senate, that there would be absolutely no change <laughs> in taxes, at least for the next two years. And the reason for that is the fact that in two years, one-third of the senators will be up for election, and we have no clue uh, you, you know, the dynamics of uh, those elections in two years and, and who might control the U.S. Senate after that. Now, when it comes to taxes, it is important, and I've said this before, but I want to repeat it, that uh, the tax changes that are in law right now are temporary. They're not permanent. They were sunsetted, which basically, now these were passed by the by a Republican-controlled Congress. In other words, the Republicans held the U.S. House of Representatives, held the U.S. Senate, and also you had a Republican president. So they were the ones who actually were responsible for um, passing the current tax code. Now, what's important for us to remember is the Republican-controlled Congress made it temporary. In other words, there's a tax increase that's already in the law that was passed by the Republicans so that the taxes would go back up on everybody except for the corporations in this country would go back up in 2026. So now... It is, we know, and and you don't forget, they passed this sunset with before, while the economy was going pretty well, before the pandemic, before the huge increases in deficit spending, uh, and the huge increase in our national debt. And so, Truthfully, even if the Republicans controlled everything right now, uh, at least within the next few years, there would be great pressure on them uh, to increase taxes anyway. Now the Republicans get to blame the Democrats <laughs> on tax increases, which they've always done anyway. So, But it, uh, you might ask yourself, okay, what's on the table? Well, frankly, don't forget that in order to pass anything through the U.S. Senate, the Democrats have to be unified. Now, Democrats traditionally are never unified. And don't forget, there are a bunch of conservative Democratic senators, you know, folks that don't actually go along with some of the more uh, liberal agenda ideas. And so they, the Democrats have to be unified. Now, 
even if the Democrats were totally unified, would they truly want to increase taxes this year with the economy struggling the way it is and with people struggling? Chances are no, but uh, the fact is I don't know any better than you do. (laughs) So I think what I will be doing is paying attention to uh, Biden's 100-day agenda. In other words, those will be the things that he truly wants to get done this year, okay? And, uh, and so when he tells us what he is going to try to get past this year, that will tell us a lot whether he's even going to try to mess with the tax code this year. And there are lots of tax issues on the table. And I, I want to go through a few of those uh, for folks so that they'll at least uh, have uh, some idea of, of what could get through. But don't forget, it's uh, not likely uh, – I mean, I think you're still going to have a divided Senate, and you have to have a full Democratic participation to get it through uh, whatever they do in the Senate. So, um, okay, so what's on the table? Will income tax rates or deductions take place um, this year or next year? You know, it's easier to project two years than one year because I do think it will be difficult to try to raise taxes with the pandemic. The, the way it is. And that's a bunch of different kinds of taxes. And we may seem some without others, and others may come later. But what about income tax rates? Well, Biden has said numerous times that he has no intention of raising rates on individual taxpayers who make less than $400,000. Well, obviously, that that means that there's only a small percentage of Americans that Biden intends uh, to raise uh, the tax rates on or to reduce deductions. You know, the current tax code took away almost all of our deductions, um, uh, unless you have business deductions. That's a different thing. Uh, Now, I, I don't think what I just said is true for corporations. In other words, the current tax code passed by the Republican Congress basically gave away the store to corporations, significantly reduced corporate taxes. And that probably, uh, not probably, it has helped the economy, okay? And the Republican uh, law, uh, frankly, did not does not change when our individual tax rates go back up. So in other words, that the law passed for corporations based on the current law stays in effect as a permanent part of the change in the tax code. Well, I do think that part of the tax code will change uh, during Biden's administration and corporate taxes will go back up. Now, historically, um, you don't ever know, but historically, just so you know, that does not affect the economy when corporate when corporate taxes uh, are increased uh, traditionally that has not affected uh, the overall economy at all uh, typically there's still significant growth uh, even with tax increases so that gives 
uh, uh, some, I'm, I'm sure there'll be lots of folks, you know, you have lots of opinion, and, and there'll be lots of folks that say, oh, yes, it's going to have a, a huge effect on the economy. But, you know, that's wait and see. Um, now, for those folks who do make a lot of income, that's over $400,000 a year, um, it's likely that your rates are going to go up uh, over the next couple years. No question about it. And so what does that mean? It means if they're going up, you may want to do some tax planning to, um, you know, to take care of things. Now, 2020, you know, is behind us now. And I had a number of clients where we, we made some very significant strategic moves to guarantee lower taxes for their families because we knew that no changes were going to be made in 2020. This year, all those guarantees are gone. You know, we have to wait and see because Congress could wait until October, pass a a tax law and claw it back to January 1 of of this year. So uh, it's a wait and see (laughs) at this point. All right, so what are some of the other things on the table other than uh, potential income tax rates for certain folks or corporate rates, which will clearly go up, in my opinion, uh, over the next few years? Capital gains rates. You know, right now, very low, very nice. Um, And again, uh, it's a real possibility that capital gains rates will go up for high-income families. Um, Now, in other words, low-income families, middle-class families, uh, likely the capital gains rate will stay where they are. This is part of Biden's agenda. Uh, But high-wealth, high-income families will likely see a significant increase in their uh, capital gains rate. So right now, even the richest people in the country only pay 20% income tax as capital gains uh, on the appreciation of their property, which is pretty sweet. (laughs) Um, But uh, for those who are high income, that rate may all go up to, you know, 37.9%. You know, it may be taxed as regular income or ordinary income uh, rather than uh, as a capital gain. And that's a real possibility. Estate tax exemptions right now only affect the very richest families in the country, certainly less than one-tenth of one percent, because the exemption for death tax uh, is right now uh, over over $11.5 million per person. So you have to have a pretty darn big estate for you to even worry about estate tax. You know, there is talk about uh, doing away with what's called a step-up in income tax basis, and there'll be people scratching their heads. I don't understand what that is. But the bottom line is that's very unlikely to happen. I can't imagine that happening. But the estate tax exemption, the gift tax exemption, could come down. I don't think it'll come down below $5 million. And then you've got generation skipping uh, taxes that the exemption could come down. They could eliminate what's called dynasty trust. This is for very wealthy families that make, you know, it's really important for them. And that's kind of, we do that kind of planning. I want you to know we're, um, our whole job is to take care and reduce your taxes because that's asset protection. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Well, 
uh, you know, that's something that we will be keeping our eyes on, and we hope that you'll keep checking in with us every weekend as we provide any updates that we can on any tax implications. We do have to take a quick break, but stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com, that's where you can go to register for Bill's seminars slash webinars that he does the second Wednesday of every month. The next set coming up is Wednesday, February 10th. Go to WGALaw.com, click on that seminars button, and there you've got two seminars to choose from, one dealing with long-term care assistance. This is a wonderful opportunity for middle-class families to find information on ways that they can get assistance when it comes to paying for long-term care, whether it be through Medicaid or through VA benefits. And Bill's other seminar deals with asset protection and trust planning. Many of the topics that we discussed today deal with asset protection and making sure that uh, you, you can protect everything that you've earned. Go to WGALaw.com and click on that Seminars button. We are out of time for today. We hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great weekend.